Welcome back to Diversity on Fire. The goal with this podcast is to inspire you to think more openly, consider new perspectives, set fire to negative bias, and rise from those ashes so we can create a more informed and inclusive world together. We hope to achieve this by sharing and encouraging you to participate in our open conversations on all types of diversity-related topics. My guest today is Calvin Gibbs. Calvin has over 14 years of theater experience and has been a professional speaker and trainer for over five years. He is also a distinguished Toastmaster and founder of Born to Speak to You. Today, Calvin and I will be discussing growing up in a different time, social justice issues, and pushing through it all to become an entrepreneur. Welcome to the show, Calvin. Thank you, Heather. Thank you very much for inviting me to be on the show today. Absolutely. I'm excited to get into this because I know you have experience and thoughts. <laughs> so we obviously that your intro is kind of like a professional bio, right? So I wonder if before we dive into any more of that, um, if you can share a bit about yourself personally, like your cultural background, where you grew up, family dynamics, special hobbies and interests, things like that. Sure. Well, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York in the quote-unquote inner city. It wasn't a bad area to grow up in. However, we were surrounded by three different project complexes. And you know, in the projects, they have their gangs and they have their uh, rules and regulations to survival. And we were like in the middle of three uh, project building, project areas that had their own rules. So whenever we ventured out from the neighborhood, depending on which direction you went, you would run into one of those neighborhoods. And we had to learn how to navigate and circumvent, run fast when being chased, <laughs> fight when being caught, <laughs> things like that. But all in all, I would say it wasn't a bad uh, neighborhood. I grew up uh, going to a lot of theater on and off Broadway, and my high school was a high school for engineering, and I studied architectural engineering, and that's when I really came to respect the differences in culture. It was a lot of different people from myself, a lot of different uh, backgrounds, religions, and we all became family for four years, and there was a lot of... Uh, realization that people are the same. For me, uh, there was a lot of realization that we all want the same things in life, to be safe, to have a good life, be able to raise our family, make some money, and, and enjoy ourselves. And as I got older into my 20s and 30s, I worked for a period on Wall Street, and I started to realize the separation of those that have and those that have not. And I found myself being one of those people trying to imitate those that had. And it just left a sour taste in my mouth. I didn't like the person I was seeing in the mirror. And I decided to just be my own person. That is the upbringing in a nutshell. I am I have a brother, was raised by a single uh, parent. My mother um, worked hard to give us a solid foundation, keep us safe and things like that. Um, religion, God was definitely a part of my upbringing, a belief in God, 
And uh, now I'm married, just celebrated 20 years. And uh, my wife and I are about to um, close on our retirement home in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Woo woo. So coming back to the East Coast, because I know you're in, you guys are in uh, Chicago right now, right? That is correct. And um, after 26 years here and six months of winter for 26 years, I am ready to come back to the Southeast. Um, if it snows in Myrtle Beach, everything shuts down. That's, that's where I want to be. <laughs> Love it. I want to go back to what you were saying, because I think it's a really interesting perspective. And I think it highlights the positivity that perhaps has gotten you here, because what you described growing up in an area where you were surrounded on three sides or, or however that, you know, however it looked, but surrounded by what a lot of people would think of as incredibly scary situations, unpredictable game, gang violence, things like that. And whether you were in it or not is not the point. The point is, is you're in, you kind of get involved because you're there. Yeah. Um, just, just as a bystander, essentially. So I find it fascinating that you describe that. And then you say, but it really wasn't a bad area at all. It wasn't a bad place to be. Can you explore that a little bit more with us? Was that something that you came to later on? Or were there just overriding positive experiences that allowed you to kind of forgive and forget the negatives? Yeah, well, not forgive and forget. Um, I would never forgive. I'm sorry. I would never forget where I came from. Um, all of those, all of those experiences, all of those uh, memories have created who I am today. So I will never forget that. I am appreciative of that because it taught me how to survive. And when I say that it uh, wasn't that bad, I am actually comparing it to life today, what the kids have to go through today. Okay. There was not shootings. 60 people shot in my, in the neighborhood in a weekend. You know, that happens here in Chicago area. Kids being shot. It wasn't a regular occurrence then. Coming of age in the 70s meant, yes, there was gangs. Yes, there was drugs. There was prostitution and, and crime everywhere. The crime was more of the, you know, petty theft, robbing from the stores or you know, maybe uh, mugging somebody on the street type thing. It wasn't the type of thing where people would roll up on roll up on you with a firearm and take what you have and then shoot you. You know, there was rules to it. Kids uh, and old people were generally off limits, not to be touched. You know, nowadays there's no no rules to the streets. It seems like it's a um, all for one, get everybody. That's what I mean by it wasn't that bad compared to today. Okay. All right. And that makes a lot of sense. Jumping to something more positive. Congratulations on your anniversary. Thank to, you. Um, all right. I'm challenging myself. And Sonia? That's correct. Yes. Yay. I remembered. I remembered because I love her name and just full disclosure to everybody listening. Um, I know that because Calvin and I were introduced by a previous guest, Lee Hopkins, and he has a podcast called Diverse Talking Heads. Well, he meaning 
you, Calvin. Mm -hmm. um, and, and Sonia was on an episode that I was on with. Right, you, so. right. Yes. So congratulations. Again, moving to a little bit more of a lighter note here. So as, I like to ask this question because I, this podcast is Diversity on Fire. And of course, we just mentioned you also have a podcast uh, with diversity in it. So we can look up the definition of diversity, right? We can all do that. But at the same time, I think we all have a framework in our mind of what, how we define it, right? How we understand it. So can you tell me what diversity means to you and how, if at all, it's impacted your life? Well, diversity to me means inclusion of everyone, no matter what their race, their gender, their um, religion preferences. It means acceptance, letting people live and be who they are. To me, that's the definition of diversity. I recently, I wouldn't say recently, but within the last five years, that has, been, has become on my radar of observations a bigger target because I see how much uh, diversity is ignored in our everyday lives, in our employments, even in our households the way people talk about other people, they're not really being, they're not really accepting them for who they are. And I understand, you know, there's some racism in our country. It still is there. It's going to be there because I believe personally that it's sewn into the fabric of America. And just as it took hundreds of years to get to this point, it's going to take hundreds of years to undo that thinking, especially when it's passed down generation to generation to generation. So to me, diversity is uh, acceptance of people, no matter who they are, or, you know, what they bring to the table. It doesn't have to be just religion or, uh, you know, racial or gender. Some people need to be accepted because they're blind. They need to be seen because uh, they are deaf, you know, and I think diversity includes all of that. I like that. And as you're describing it, um, you kind of the way you describe it, it makes me think more of inclusion. But then as you kept going, I'm like, well, what you're really saying is the diversity is allowing somebody to be different. Stop trying to put everybody in the box that you're comfortable with mm -hmm. and allowing everybody to stand in their individuality and accepting and appreciating that. And I like it. Yeah, that is correct. That is correct. Yeah. I think it's very important. Uh, my last job in corporate America, of course, I work for myself now. Uh, my last employment in corporate America really opened up my eyes, uh, for example, um, during the holidays we would have a, what they called a holiday party. But it was really just a Christmas party in disguise. Why? Because there would be a Christmas tree decorated. There would be boxes with, uh, you know, uh, wrappings as Christmas gifts, you know, Santa uh, signs around and things like that. Yet and still, I worked with people that was Jewish, Muslims, and I started to realize that they weren't enjoying or was it as vested in what the the majority of the company was doing because their 
beliefs, their religions, their holidays was not being acknowledged. And, you know, that's part of diversity, acknowledging others for what they have, what they believe and what they bring to the table. So if you're going to have a holiday party, and of course I'm doing air quotes, nobody can see me, mm-hmm. but holiday party, then cool, have the Christmas tree, have the menorah, have all of the things that represent all of the different holidays. But I guess what you're saying, and you know, to be honest, it's not ever something that I don't think I've thought of it. I mean, I use holiday instead of Christmas, but in in that setting, in a workplace setting, you're right. It is just a disguise. It's just a sticker to put over something because they think they're doing something, but you're really not doing anything unless you bring in the other inclusive pieces. Exactly right. Now, that particular company let me go in um, June of 2020, right after we had gotten sheltered in place and all that good stuff. But it was the previous winter, 2019, December 2019, was when that realization of what we just talked about hit me like a ton of bricks because I was pissed off at the company, first of all. I didn't want to be involved in their holiday celebrations because I basically not because I don't celebrate Christmas. I didn't like them. <laughs> and when I want didn't want to be involved, um I got called out for that. And it made me n- acknowledge and look around and see who else was not acknowledging this and then why. And that's when it hit me. So we talk about progress and progress takes a really long time. As you said, your your kind of expectation is that it took hundreds of years to get us to this place. It's going to take hundreds of years to get us out. But surely major, major shifts have happened slowly. But from when you were younger till now, what would you say? And And maybe there's many, maybe there's a few, but what would you say? one of the largest pieces of progress that we've made has been societally. And and let me clarify, as it relates to race and social justice. Okay. Well, one of the big things that I have noticed recently has been the opportunities that women have in corporate America. When I started working all the managers were white men. Uh, there wasn't very many women managers of any race. And now I see that starting to change. Uh, I, I see women of uh, different uh, races, uh, different backgrounds, getting that opportunity to climb the corporate ladder, if you will. I also see changes in our society. Now, this could be part of the awakening that happened during the summer of 2020, which I think history will point as uh, an awakening of the world. When we started to realize that people were not being treated correctly and fairly in distribution of wealth and opportunities and privileges within a society. When we saw George Floyd being killed on that video uh, with the knee and the neck thing, I think it opened people's eyes as to what is really going on in our society. Uh, Some of the more recent changes I've 
noticed on television is the commercials. They're more inclusive now. Never saw that before. <laughs> Never saw a, a a a white man and a black woman uh, with a multiracial child and obviously their family, you know, being portrayed that way. And I think it's a, a wonderful thing. Uh, I think as we see this more and more, it will be ingrained in our memories or our minds that this is okay. This is who we are. And this is the way it should have been. I completely agree. I think a lot of people want to discount things like the inclusive commercials and representation as almost, I, I mean, I've even heard people call them pandering. To me, it's a matter of our brains are, whether we'd like to admit it or not, are programmed in part by society, by what we see, by what we experience. And going back to the summer of 2020, I do think, I agree with you that there there was a shift that in my lifetime, I don't feel like I've experienced as strongly as I experienced then. And there's a lot of people that are pissed off because they're like, this has been happening and you haven't been paying attention. And that is valid. That is very valid because these systems were set up and we've been living in them all along. So, so that is definitely valid to be angry at that. I think the thing that makes me most uncomfortable and nervous is that, man, we seem hell-bent on repeating the past sometimes. So I want to make sure that awakening does not die out. I want to keep that, let's be, let's be kind of kitschy here. Yep. I want to keep that flame going and roaring. Keep that acknowledgement top of mind so that we can make actual forward steps rather than kind of reverting back when the news cycle slows down. That is correct. I think that's very important as well. Uh, people that forget their history are destined to live it over again. So yeah, we don't want to go back there again. And I think it's very important uh, to keep that in the forefront of where we're going. Also, I think that those people that have been uh, scrutinized, demoralized uh, over the centuries should not take this as opportunities for a reve uh, revenge. They should, and this is speaking from the point of view of a black man, okay, who has been discriminated against so many times, <laughs> uh, personal personal stories would be a totally another podcast for you. But we have to, for lack of a better word, come to forgive some of the things that have happened. Not forget, but forgive some things so that we can move forward. If we see someone trying to hold out an olive branch of peace, then we should learn to accept that in the gesture that it was given to us and move on forward with that person. I agree. I agree. And, and you know, there is a lot of hurt and pain that goes along with this. So there is a level of grace that needs to be given to the people that can't accept that olive branch right away. But I actually... On this note, and, and you mentioned, obviously, you've got a lot of stories, which we probably don't have time for, but um, I'm sure a lot of varied stories of, of discrimination, racial, um, bias, all the negativity, right? You shared a video uh, fairly recently, I think, with a Black woman and then a little, a little white girl 
dancing together uh, to an Afro beat. And the, the caption on the video was, laundry is the only thing that should be separated by color. That's right. So and I love that. I love that perspective. I'm just curious, where did you find the grace? Where did you find the ability to have that perspective when you have experienced so much negativity? I talk about this with my wife often. Um, (laughs) Sometimes I think she's not as liberated as I am, but I get it. You know, I get it based on what she's been through and her family has been through and the stories passed down through generations have made her who she is. And it does take a while. uh, And it's not easy. It's not easy. I understand the skepticism. I get it. Uh, But I feel we won't move forward if we don't take that chance. It's like there may be sharks in the water, but you need to dip your toe in at least and see if anything happens. If nothing happens, then you might go down to the ankle or the kneecap, you know. And if nothing happens then, then maybe take a dunk in the water and check it out. I believe everything should be done in stages because another part of me teaches me to keep my guard up, if that makes any sense. <laughs> it makes it makes a lot of sense. And that analogy is a bit terrifying, to be quite honest. <laughs> I mean, you're coming back to the East Coast, remember. If you go in that ocean, we do have sharks. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Believe me, when we when we went to Myrtle Beach a few, a few weeks ago, I did not get in the water. <laughs> I looked at it from the shore. I did not get in it. Yeah, but I mean, it's also a very tangible analogy in that what you're saying is it, do, it things do take time. You have to build up that trust. And where you are today, you may not have been able to convince your prior self of the things that you know and understand and believe today because you were at a different space in your life. Mm-hmm. That is correct. As we're talking to people, because I have obviously have a lot of conversations, but just in, in personal conversations I have with um, with people, I'm, I'm listening to some of the things that they say and I feel an urge to kind of correct them because I un- like they're not right. Their mindset is not there yet. But then I also remember back at the time when I can see myself in them and I realize they are just working through it. They're just at a different phase of that than I am. Mm-hmm. And another thing, um, you know, like in my neighborhood where I'm at currently, this is a pretty long block. There's only my family and another black family on the end and everybody else is non-blacks. But from day one, my goal towards my neighbors has been to let them see me for who I am. I'm a good person. I will be a good neighbor, you know, during Christmas time for my immediate neighbors on either side of me. Yeah, I'll take your grandkid a gift. You know, we'll take your kids a gift and, you know, say Santa left it at our house for the kids. And that's all well and good during our summer season. I will invite you over to have some barbecue with us. You know, I will look out for your property. If I see something that's not right, I will call the cops, you know, on your behalf. I just ask that you do the same for me. Yeah. I mean, listen, they're, they're, it, it seems like a really simple, simple thing, but treating each other like humans. 
is is yeah i i don't know why it's so hard sometimes yeah um yeah you know on that i want to touch on the social justice so social justice like we use that term right that's a super broad term social justice so what area of social justice would you say that you are most passionate about and why i would say a uh, distribution of of privileges no you know what i'm going to say distribution of wealth you know when i think of social justice i think three categories wealth opportunities and privileges i would say most important to me would be distribution of wealth growing up i remember some of the more radical um african americans would say well we need to have our own uh stores we need to have our own this that and the other and keep the money within our neighborhoods well i believe that with um justice as social justice as far as wealth everyone can make and earn a good living wage it should not have to be based on your uh race it should not have to be based on your gender religion anything like that if you have the qualifications to do the job and you do the job you do the job well you should be able to make a good living wage that living wage will help you raise your family help you invest in that neighborhood help you invest in uh things that you need a, a home that can be passed down to the kids generational wealth okay and we all know that in this country there's been a divide between those that have and those that have not you know i think about the stories i've heard of people trying to buy a home black families trying to buy a home and in a certain neighborhood the realtors won't sell to them but they get a white friend to go in and all of a sudden it's available you know things like that that should that's something that needs to be totally wiped out i also believe that when we talk about wealth some of us that have not been privy to this should be taught how to make wealth and keep wealth no one told me or taught me in my family about the stock market how to invest how to save money outside of you know citibank <laughs> putting money in a checking or savings these are things that i investigated and learned on my own learned how to read books and ask questions and watch cnbc and things like that the social justice as far as wealth is a strong divide in this country even with the uh, politicians i'm convinced that they seek to not be totally helpful for those that do not have the same wealth opportunities as those that do well that was a very kind way of saying it yeah they seek to not be very helpful yeah i'm i'm, I'm trying not to <laughs> <laughs> it was a very politically correct I would say that they're actively working against. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, but these are problems that needs to be addressed in our nation. These are type of social justices. Money runs everything. Okay? And if you don't have money, you can't run anything. I heard um this woman and she the way she articulated this was the best most I always use things as tangible because and I, it's kind of a weird thing to use, but like I say, mentally tangible, because for me, 
it can clicks in my mind in a way that I can feel it. And she used this analogy of monopoly. And she said, you know, people want to pretend that a 400 year advantage didn't do them any good. And she said, you know, think about it as a monopoly game. For all of this time, all of these hundreds of years, white families who certainly there are still um, white families that are underprivileged in terms of finances, right? Because people are not teaching us either. <laughs> but like at the same time, 400 years of, you know, pass, go, collect $200, pass, go, collect $200, build your wealth, build your property, buy homes, all of those things. And then you expect to, okay, you're, you can, you can play with us now, but okay, but I'm not in the same, you, you had 400 year head start on making that money and building that generational wealth mm -hmm. and getting that property. And like, you can't expect that. Um, what I'm trying to think of like what number of years we are now, I, but like, just in this short number of years where the Black population has been able to vote, has mm -hmm. been able to successfully actually build their own businesses without them being burned down and all of this disgusting behavior. It's just, it just doesn't work that quickly. And that's right. why we need to put more effort into supporting Black businesses. That's why we need to put more effort in uplifting Black voices. And now I'm preaching, but like, th these are the things that I think people have such a hard time understanding. When you say, you know, there's a disparity, there very much is. There's no question on that. There's statistics, there is data that can prove this to us. But I think oftentimes the narrative that people of privilege want to sow is that, well, I work hard for it. Yeah, right. Who doesn't work hard? If exactly. <laughs> who does? If you're working, you're probably working hard. Harder than harder than you want to work. Let's put it like that. Yeah, and that's all true. Everything you said, I believe, is spot on. Um, yeah. Now, now you can play, but you don't. But, but you don't know how to play. You don't know where to start to play, and that's a problem. And that's a problem. Um, and then there's those that don't want you to play. Still, they don't yeah. want you to play. They feel now they feel threatened because, you know, you're you're playing, you're trying to um, move up the ladder. You're trying to gain some some things that uh, you haven't been able to do in generations. And now it's almost like the knee in the neck again. Now we want to stop you right where you're at, because I feel, quote unquote, in uh, air quotations, I feel threatened. I feel threatened. You're trying to you're trying to take away uh, something from me, my way of life, uh, my privilege. And now I feel threatened. So these are all the things that we fight against on a daily basis through your podcast, through what we try to do with diverse talking heads. Uh, what I try to do just in my personal life is fight against that. You know, <laughs> I uh, just just real quick, I. Uh, told somebody recently, they said, you know, why aren't you slowing down? You know, you're talking about retirement home and, you know, chilling out on the beach. I said, even if I do that, I'm not going to slow down because I feel that I have a platform. So I take my little flashlight, it's a little pen light, and wherever there's darkness, I try to flash my light because where there's light, there cannot be darkness. If you go in the closet, Close the door, turn on the light, you can see everything in there. 
but without light, can't see anything. And that's what I just try to do. Flash some light, bring up something that can give people something to think about, uh, my point of view, and then I move on to the next dark spot. I, I love that. And I think it's it's so important when we're talking about progress because some people's version of progress is ignoring and for lack of a better apt word, whitewashing what we don't like and saying that's the past. Let's ignore it and let's move forward. Let's ban books. Let's do this, right? Then there's a sect of people who really, really live, live in the past and haven't been able to move forward. I feel like there is a marriage of those two things that really needs to happen in that we acknowledge, accept, and teach the history so that, as you said earlier, we stop ourselves from repeating that history, but also be able to heal enough to move forward and give those opportunities to people that haven't had them for so long. So I, it's a it's a sensitive issue, um, especially because there is still a lot of hurt and pain involved and you can't tell somebody to get out of their own way if they're not ready. Um, and there's a lot of oppressors that are still standing around. Yeah, you know? yeah. I like the idea of what you just mentioned about whitewashing, and then uh, you have those that um, are still stuck in the in the past. The whitewashing, to a degree, is good because you need a new palette to move forward. Those that's stuck in the past, give them time. You know, they will die out. As long as we keep moving forward, there's less chance of them being able to spew their thoughts and actions on on others youngers than them and they will die off and we can start to move forward however as we said in the beginning it's going to take a long time yeah i won't see it <laughs> you you're younger than me you won't see it you know but hope hopefully uh the next generation when um the next calvin and heather is sitting down talking uh we can say yes there's been progress uh, in the last 100 years than the previous 400 years. Yeah. And I mean, your your analogy with the light too is your light may be little, right? You've got a small light, but if you shine your light and, and if you picture a, maybe a concert stadium for a visual for everybody where, you know, people hold up their lighters, do they still do that? That's kind of a fire hazard. But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> they do. They do. <laughs> they do. Okay. So picture everybody. So my one little light joined with other people's little lights. The goal is, is that eventually there will be enough light to drown out the darkness. That's right. That's right. That's right. And, and you know what? There's going back. I think you mentioned it earlier, something about music. Music is one of the things that bind us together. Um, I go to jazz concerts. It's uh, you know multiracial and this crossover music, all types of things. You know, music, I think, could be indicative. Music could be something that binds us and helps us to move forward during the uh, civil rights movement. There were a lot of songs that um, spoke of the struggle that black people were going through, the injustices, you know, things like that. Where are the musical artists today to pick us up and move us forward? I think it would be a great opportunity for those that are, are, are similar minded to do some good work. I listen to the music of today 
and I hear, you know, about what they have, I hear about sex, um, different things, but I don't hear about moving people forward as much. So what do you think about that? Did you just turn the show on 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 me and you're the host now, Calvin? Slightly. I'm just kidding. Slightly. <laughs> this slightly. is what Calvin does. This, you're a professional. Slightly. You're a professional. Slightly. <laughs> so what do I think about that? Um, I actually, I agree with you in the broad sense. However, I do think there are some artists out there. And of course, my my mind is going to go blank now and I'll send them to you. But I do think there are some artists out there that are making efforts to do that. Mm. Um, I don't know if, because what I can agree on is the music from the past does feel like more soulful. You know what I mean? Deeper. So I don't know if it's on the same level, but I do think that um, there are artists out there that are are making an effort to do that. Yeah, I think the uh, music of the past felt more soulful because uh, of the time that we were in the desperation that people felt and the hope that people had as well. And that may be slightly skewered different today. So maybe that's why it doesn't seem the same. But um, yeah, I just um, thought I would throw that out there and get your opinion since we're having a great conversation. Of course. No, I love it. I was picking (laughs) on you. Uh, All right. So are you ready for the final three questions? I am ready. Okay. So the first one is I'm going to ask you to give the audience um, an action item, essentially. So something that you think, and we, we want it to be small because the hope is that they'll actually do it, but something that everyone listening can do today to better understand the social challenges faced by people that are not like them. So maybe that's a book, a movie, mm. a song perhaps that they can listen to. Mm. Okay. That's a very good question or three. The first thing I would say is start where you are in your job, in your home, neighborhood, what have you. Start learning about the people around you. Uh, Find out from the calendar which holidays are coming up. Find uh, groups that are getting together to celebrate that event and join them. While you're there, get to know some of them. Ask questions. Why do you do what you do? What does it mean? Blah, 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 blah. Maybe they'll have some food there. Food is food and music. Two things that will join people together. Try the different cuisine from somebody that uh, you normally wouldn't try their food. See what it's about. Ask questions. Why is it cooked this way? What does it taste this way? Second thing I would say, and this would be for everyone that isn't privileged to have it, learn about economics. Learn about ways to create wealth. And now we live in a totally technical technological world. There's a lot of different ways to earn wealth, to make wealth. Learn about these things. Find different principles or techniques that will work for you and implement them. It's not going to be an overnight thing most of the time, but give yourself time to work, learn it and work at it. And as and this is as, as far as uh, social justice, as you move up and start learning and you get different opportunities afforded to you, hopefully, afford opportunities to somebody else. Bring somebody else up with you. 
uh, I believe that is most important because in different areas of my life at different times, I've had mentors and now my desire is to be a mentor to somebody else, to share with them, give them the benefit of what I know, what I've done, what I believe, so that they their opportunities will be um, will come upon them uh, multifaceted. That's fantastic. That's a lot of really good uh, action items. So that's a lot of good options because everyone is in a different place. So one person might gravitate to one or more of those. So I like it. And then the second thing is in your current phase of life, what are five words you would use to describe Calvin? My current phase of life, I would say determined. I would say smarter, more cautious. I would also say because of what I've, what I know and what I've gone through, a lot of times I find humor in things that other people may not. So I would say find the funny, find the funny. And the last thing I would say is be true to yourself. Be true to yourself. You have to look in the mirror. You have to listen to yourself every day. You have to deal with your own personality. Be true to yourself. We all have a sense of what's right and what's wrong. And when you see something wrong within yourself, you know, have that conversation with the man in the mirror. All right. And then lastly... Where would you like everyone to go so that they can connect with you, stay in touch, learn more? Um, if you know, especially if they're looking to do any speaking, certainly you can be of service to them there. So, where should everyone go to connect? Yes, you can go to my uh, website. Uh, it's calvingibbs.com. I also have another one. It's called born to speak to you.com. The tools are the number two. So, born to speak to you. Dot com. My email address, you can even reach me there. It's born to speak to you at mail.com, M A I L. I also own gmail.com if you want to reach me there. And I also do trainings for public speaking. Uh, in Toastmasters, I am a, a, a di distinguished Toastmaster twice over. That's like having your master's in public speaking. I uh, do online trainings. I come uh, do in-person trainings. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much where you can find me. I have a, a video blog on Facebook. It's called Born to Speak to You, uh, where five, uh, three out of five days of the week, I will come on and uh, give a three-minute uh, video uh, just three minutes to get you started on your day, something to make you think about as you run out the door. Okay, awesome. I will make sure to link all of those. They'll be in the show notes for sure so that everyone can click on them and so that they have the correct link. So I'll make sure to link those. I really appreciate this conversation. Thank you for sharing. Be vulnerable and keep shining your light. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining in to today's episode. I hope this conversation with Calvin helped you open up a little bit to a different perspective. That's always the goal. Broaden your mind. Like he said, and check the show notes for his link to make sure you connect with him. But like he said, go out into the world, learn something new, learn about finances, find grace in things, forgive, but don't forget, and learn from your mistakes. Shine a little light, baby. As long as we're all doing it together, 
we can brighten up a whole lot of darkness. As a reminder, the thoughts and opinions that we express, they're our own. Encourage you to do your own research and come to your own conclusions. Connect with Diversity on Fire on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Diversity on Fire. Don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you're listening now so you never miss an episode. Share the show and this conversation with others so they can join as well. And until next time, don't forget to check your bias and keep the conversation going. Thank you.